On today's PMEA's Take Note podcast, we are talking about string education, how it fared during the pandemic, how it emerges from the pandemic, and some resources that are out there for you. That's all on today's PMEA's Take Note podcast, presented by the Slippery Rock University Music Department. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of PMEA's Take Note Podcast. Uh, today, we're talking about string education, and uh, I think in some ways it's been overlooked uh, in, in pandemic times because there's been so much focus on, on band, choral, general music, uh, the, those things that generally uh, tend to produce a little bit more aerosols, uh, but string education was impacted as well. So we're going to be talking about that today, and uh, joining us today are some leaders uh, in the field. Field of, of string education. First is Dr. Jeff Tedford. Uh, he is the um, chair of the Department of Music at Grove City College, and he is currently the president of Podesta, the Pennsylvania Delaware String Teachers Association. Uh, Jeff, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Glad well, to be here today. And Lynn Tuttle, uh, who is the executive director and CEO of the American String Teachers Association, uh, known as ASTA. Lynn, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Mark. Uh, and just uh, pretty new into that role. And we're going to talk about that uh, in, in just a second. So, um, Jeff, I want to start with you. So you're, you're talking to us today from Grove City College. Um, I'm curious about what this year has been like so far, uh, maybe compared to last year and what you're doing uh, with students there at Grove City. Sure. Um, <clears throat> I think, as I told you earlier, Mark, we my situation, I think, is vastly different than many people in the music industry in that we at the college are very normal. We do not have a mask requirement currently. Um, we also do not have a vaccine requirement. We are having ensembles normal, um, a little bit of spacing, but we had a concert a month ago with the orchestra and had over 500 people in attendance. And it was a great, uh, great performance. The audience was so so enthusiastic to hear live performance. Um, last year, we, you know, we did what everybody did, the, the, the distancing, the split rehearsals, the half rehearsals as far as length, uh, the bell covers. And, and my program, I've got full symphonic orchestra and chamber string orchestra. <clears throat> so I, I'm living in both worlds and I'm also the department chair. So I'm, I'm, I'm also working with the band faculty and the choir faculty, the, the studio teachers. So I'm I've been keeping up on as much of the research as possible. Uh, last year, my motto for our department and for my students was, let's focus on the things we can control and do them well. This year, it's okay, we're coming back and we're performing, we're rehearsing normally. Um, I think the biggest challenge for me personally has been simply with, uh, with higher education. You get a new group of students every year, you know, and so I have uh, many freshmen who had not played a concert or sat through a rehearsal for almost two years. And so reteaching the whole process of, okay, you're going to sit in a 90 minute rehearsal and you have to be focused the entire time. And, you know, so making sure that we choose repertoire that we can be successful, but mm -hmm. is also challenging, give something to the audience, give something to the, the players. Um, so that's, you know, 
it's been rewarding for me because I love trying to find creative solutions. And uh, so there have been no shortage of need for creative <laughs> creative solutions. So I've, I've been kind of enjoying myself. You know, that's, that's a really interesting point you make uh, about the students, because I think uh, so many of us in the in pandemic times, our attention spans maybe shrunk a little bit because yeah. <laughs> d- devices tend to do that to us and we're all staring into devices. Well, and that's certainly uh, for, for so true for, for college students. So uh, is there this general sense of we've, we've you got to lasso them back in uh, to that idea of, yeah, we're focusing on task for this period of time? I think so. And, you know, it's interesting, like pre-COVID, um, you know, many teachers struggle with the, uh, I got my, you know, the kids hiding their phone on their stand. <clears throat> well, you know, that has become so much more prevalent because they're just so used to having that screen always there. And when you're taking class or a, a, even a, a lesson online, you know, there's nothing stopping you from having your phone right next to your computer. And so to come back into the rehearsal room, you know, we, we have to remind people, look, you're here to play. You're here to rehearse. You're here to perform. Uh, that is a distraction. We don't need distractions. So let's, you know, we, yeah, we're definitely trying to reel people back in. Um, same thing with the audience, you know, <clears throat> people hadn't sat in concerts for two years. So the people that sit in the concert with their phone or their laptop, well, they were doing that at home, watching virtual concerts online. You know, there's there's no concert etiquette because they can't hear the other side can't hear you because you're muted. But now you're in an audience, and you know you you can see that bright light from a phone when the audience the house lights go down. So it's, yeah, it's just been really interesting. I I really appreciate you making the those points because for everyone out there who is in your position. It, I think a lot of them are saying, okay, phew, that's a sigh of relief because it's, it's happening to everyone, I think. And, and we're all kind of relearning uh, what those norms are. So uh, it's, it's an important point to make. So thank you for, for pointing that out. Um, Lynn, let me turn to you. All right. So you're at the national level, uh, just, just coming into the position here as executive director and CEO at ASTA just a few months ago, coming from the National Association for Music Education. Um, If you could just tell us a little bit about what, you know, this transition, what you're doing at ASTA, give us the kind of the lay of the land. Sure. Um, it's kind of like, what am I not doing, Mark, right? So coming in as executive director for um, a smaller, you know, association than NAFME, so about uh, just around 7,000 members right now at ASTA, um, and uh, coming in with then uh, my most senior staff member going out on maternity leave uh, meant that I'm doing everything from, you know, uh, getting the audit finalized, right, as a new executive director and coming in trying to figure out how all of that works and the finances work and where things are and how to use our data system to uh, getting our conference ready because we're going to be in person in March in Atlanta. So I'm lining up all of those ducks, which normally would be done by my colleague who's uh, at home with her baby boy um, to, you know, taking out the, the random dead mouse that shows up every once in a while in the basement of the townhouse where the house is located because <laughs> we're across the street from a barbecue place. And whenever they, you know, do their round of extermination, we get, you know, some guests, um, unwanted perhaps, but guests that come to visit us. So everything in between, right? Um, and just getting to know the, the members. Um, as you know, it's kind of 
uh, I was kind of giggling in, in your intro about, you know, ex, you know, string experts, right? Because I am not a string player. I'm a flutist and I'm a singer and the uh, string community has been very welcoming of me, even though I'm, you know, not one of them. And so getting to know their leaders and um, what they're focused on and just, um, Jeffrey, I think you can probably speak to this. There's kind of the wonderful sense of community that is ASTA. That's something that I've really, uh, I knew before and made me interested in applying for the job, but really now getting to live with the community, it's really just a lovely group of supportive colleagues and professionals. Uh, I'm curious, uh, as you have been talking to those, those folks, uh, kind of what are you hearing about the state of programs, mm. maybe some anecdotes even from around the country of, of what is happening uh, in string programs? Oh, that's a great question, Mark. In fact, I just got some uh, data in this morning from the National Strings Project uh, Coalition. So these are strings programs that are often based, not always, but often based in community or in higher ed institutions where they're trying to build string programs in the community, perhaps because they aren't part of what's offered in the K-12 systems. Um, and they were giving me, I would, I'd ask them, uh, you know, like, tell me the data set, tell me, you know, the types of students that you serve. And bless them, they gave me data going all the way back to like 2002 up through now. And you look at the numbers from like 2019 to 2021, and it's a 50% drop. Hmm. Of participation. Um, and, and it's just, it's been hard, I think, to maintain programs, community programs. Um, and, and Jeffrey, I don't know what's, what, what you've experienced or with the strength teachers with whom you work, but um, um, hard, anything that's sort of extracurricular extra right now is really hard to maintain because people are just trying to get used to what it means to be back in person, in school, in public education. Um, and so I do think we've, we've seen um, some programs, uh, some of the programs that are sort of out of school time um, been affected that way. I also think in person, I think most ensembles are seeing lower numbers of enrollment across the board, um, not just in strings, but I think band and choir as well. Um, Jeffrey, as you said, you know, it's been a year, year and a half, almost two years since people could play together. And it's awfully hard to keep interested if you can't, right? We come, we come to strings, we come to band, come to choir because we love to be part of an ensemble. If you haven't been able to be part of an ensemble for a year and a half, why are you going to keep doing it? Or you might be concerned that since you haven't been together, you haven't been picking up your instrument, maybe you don't think you'll be good enough to be back in ensemble. And so um, I think just like our colleagues in band and choir, it's going to be a lot about um, how do we recruit students back in, how to retain and take care of the ones that did come back to us, um, how do we fit that right, the appropriate repertoire to keep them interested and make them feel successful. Um, and how do we make it all about being community again this year and not about perfect scores on any sort of competition, right? I think those are the conversations I'm hearing members talk about. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, some really important points there uh, as, as, as string educators and all music educators think ahead. So that's, that's kind of the next topic I'm curious for your thoughts on, you know, um, it is, it's different everywhere. Uh, I have heard some places where they say, boy, our string program was up because parents cool. were a little concerned about having their student play a band instrument. Um, I've also heard it's down or the program has disappeared uh, or, or significantly curtailed or we're waiting mm -hmm. to start another year. I mean, it's everything, it's all over the place. And certainly yep. that is the same for band choir as well, no question. Um, 
but I, I'm curious then for what are you all hearing? What are you all thinking about for the, the what's next, right? So I'm sure you're thinking what's next. You're doing conferences, you're, you're planning those things and, and good professional development for string educators. But, but what, you know, what is next? What are the next steps as far as how do you recruit? How do you do these things? I'm, I'm curious for any thoughts or anecdotes that you've seen from folks that are doing this well. Jeffrey, go for it. Well, I, I, um, we had, I was telling you, Mark, we had a, a Podesta board meeting a week ago. And um, one of the challenges I think in Pennsylvania is it's, it's pretty much three quadrants or three, three sections. You've got mm -hmm. the Eastern part of Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, North, you've got Central Pennsylvania, you've got Western Pennsylvania. And so I've been trying to talk to as many string teachers as possible throughout the state and I'm getting regionalized answers. Mm. You know, Western Pennsylvania, a lot of people have told me we're having so many new students sign up because as you said, Mark, they're, they either, the parents wanted to delay last year because they may not have been in person or they're looking at strings as, well, there's no aerosol there. I don't have to think about that component. And I'm not saying that that's better or worse. It's just a difference of mm -hmm. string playing. Um, as a violinist, I have played a number of performances and I despise playing my violin with a mask on because my violin slides. <clears throat> um, maybe that's my bad, te bad technique, but um, it, you know, it certainly doesn't impact me the same way that when I sing, cause I'm also a singer as well. You know, when you breathe in and you get a mouthful Half of, of mask, your mask. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> um, so, but you know, we talked about what is next for us and we're trying as a board to re-engage with the membership <clears throat> and say, look, we, we've had a year, two years of virtual engagement and, and lack of connection because it's just not the same. And how do we encourage people, whether it's PMEA or the ASTA conference to go, you know, and, and, the, and I think that the ASTA uh, work with the hybrid, you know, is also a great thing or the online option for those who just can't go. Mm -hmm. um, but, I, you know, trying to get people to go back to the conference, not just so they can learn new methodologies and new pedagogies, but as you said, Lynn, really to, to reconnect with people, right? Absolutely. And focus on what are, what are we trying to do? I've been telling my, my student teachers and my music education majors, um, music education at the end of this pandemic and post-pandemic is going to be what music education should always be about. It's about the process of learning with the goal of a performance, right? But right. the performance is such a small part of what we do. It's a very important part. It's a very public part. It's a very easily perceived part of what mm -hmm. we do. But the process of teaching, the process of learning should always be what our focus is so that our students are one, successful, two, enjoying learning, and three, developing relationships with other people. Because whether they go into music, and I'm talking K-12, whether they go into music as a career or not, they will have something that they take with them for the rest of their lives. And I think that's such an important component of music education and arts education in general. Um, so we're, again, we're trying to get people to go back to these conferences. And within Pennsylvania, you've got the different regions and how they're functioning. You know, in Eastern Pennsylvania is still a little bit more um, uh, <clears throat> rigid with some of the requirements. 
Central Pennsylvania, a little bit more hybrid, and then Western PA in general tends to be much more open. I've talked to people from other parts of the state and they're, wait, you, you, you're going out to dinner? Uh, yeah, I'm going out to dinner probably way too much. Um, so it, it's just an interesting thing. So trying to get people who are coming from very different perspectives to re-engage with the organizations and figure out a way to, to get the content to them, whether it's in person or online. Uh, Lynn, I'm going to get your take in a second, but I just I want to make one point there. Uh, build off of that, we we've talked so much about social emotional learning here in the past, you know, several years, but really in the past year, and how beneficial that is to students. But to your point, let's go to conferences and connect because we've also all been on a computer screen, you know. Uh, like uh, people, the podcast know, like I'm a marching band geek. Okay. I, I love especially competitive marching band. And I mentioned in the last podcast, I was going to go out to Indianapolis for the bands of America, super regional. And I have not really seen live marching band. And you know, just like most of us, right? let me tell you what, to go out there and sit in that stadium and see colleagues from around the country. It is so energizing. And, and the, going and seeing something that is, is, is good professional development for, you know, a high school band director in some way. But there is also that social emotional piece that I left so uplifted just sitting there and being able to connect with people again without doing it this way. Um, so to your point, yes, we're talking about social emotional learning for students, but coming to conferences, coming together in some way is also good for all of the educators out there. Absolutely. Uh, something to think about. So uh, sorry, just to throw that in there, but, yeah. uh, but Lynn, so I, I'm, and I'm, I'm curious for, you know, what you've heard uh, of, Hey, here are some tactics. Here are things that, that string programs can be doing. That's a great question. Um, and Jeffrey, those are great sort of suggestions too. And uh, again, I think it is, it's reminding ourselves that um, while we're always proud of that final product, of that final performance, of getting you know a superior rating um, in whatever competition it is, um, it's really about ensemble, right? It's really about coming together to make music. That's why we're educators. That's why we love pulling our students together. And we haven't been able to do that. Many places haven't been able to do that for a year or two years now. So to celebrate coming back and to make the focus be about that, I think Jeffrey, going back to your earlier comments about sort of, you know, getting uh, students off devices and focus. It's also, uh, as you're saying, that was thinking about sort of at the heart of music making, right, is listening. And it's re-engaging with listening and helping students and audiences and adults alike, right, remember what it's like to listen deeply, listen thoroughly, listen to your own music making and the music making around you and how you fit in. And to me, right, that's at the heart of community um, as, as musicians, as music educators, as students working with us. And um, how, do we, how do we help focus on that? Uh, and how do we help remind ourselves and students of the joy of music making, of coming together? Um, and I think of, um, brilliant uh, string educator out in Nevada, who's actually going to do an advocacy webinar for us here in a couple of hours, uh, Kenny Baker, and just talking about, you know, for, he's like every day, because I have kids with me in person, it's about the joy of music making. He's like, in some level, I don't, I mean, he said, I do care what it sounds like, but it's okay if it doesn't sound good today, it's going to sound better tomorrow. So it's about celebrating that joy of coming back together as music makers. Um, and then how do we um, take this moment in time to um, 
to, you know, think differently about who do we welcome into the profession and how do we help them get ready for the profession. Um, and so some really serious conversations happening within the higher ed space, I'm sure as Jeffrey can speak to. Um, and then sort of what is the role that Aster or PMEA or NAFI, what are the roles that we can play to help support maybe new folks entering the profession? Because um, that's certainly uh, concern, I think, across the board in music education writ large, like our, who, are, who are we welcoming into the profession and do we have enough educators because we are seeing teacher shortages? Um, and I think sort of in the string space, right, that's been an endemic issue for years, the pandemic's making it more of a crisis. Um, and so that's a place where my head's going a lot right now about how do we, how do we engage folks, how we get them want to to be part of a profession, especially if they haven't seen that profession in action for two years and they're 18 year olds making decisions about where they're gonna to go to school and what they're gonna do. Right, uh, yeah, yeah, valid point. And that, uh, that's probably a, a topic for a whole series of <laughs> webinars and podcasts uh, because I mean, it, it is valid, it is important and, and uh, there is work going on in that area. Yeah. Um, but more needs done, of course, and, and will continue. So um, let's let's talk about your respective organizations and what folks might be able to get out of, of membership in them. So let's uh, let's start local. Let's start with Podesta. So sure. you know, tell us what what what's the value of membership there? Yeah, I mean, I think with Podesta, like all the the state groups within ASTA, um, we really try to focus on. <clears throat> regional and local engagement, but within the context of the larger national group. I mean, the, the ASTA National Conference is a, an amazing resource of sessions, performances, connection with people. And, and I've been, this is my 21st year of teaching, and uh, I've been to many conferences in different states. And it's, there's just something, as a string teacher, string educator, when you're just with other string teachers, it's you're so focused on that one thing and you're able to get a variety of ideas. And that's not nothing against the other areas of music education, but it's just so nice to be able to sit down with other people who are doing the exact same thing that you are and work through that. Um, Podesta is really trying to partner wherever possible with PMEA. So we had a, we had a central Pennsylvania slash district seven uh, professional development workshop a couple of weeks ago. Western Pennsylvania is partnering with uh, one of the one or two of the, the PMEA districts as well for the winter. Um, Eastern Pennsylvania is still working through what what is going to happen. Um, the Podesta board and we just sent an email out to the membership. Um, the Podesta board voted to pay the registration fee for three people to go to the ASTA National Conference. So. Awesome. I want to encourage people. It's it's a simple Google form. Put, fill it out, and and you'll be able to go. You still have to pay for um, transportation and housing, but we're covering the registration for for three people to go to the conference. Um, because we Asta runs the conference really well, and uh, within the state, I mean, we can run we can run our own professional development workshops, but with Pennsylvania and Delaware together. And you've got the regions of Pennsylvania. It's hard to get the entire state together when there's all the other events happening as well. So we have this thing that's already scheduled, already focused, already really well run. run. And so we're trying to encourage Podesta members to, to attend the national conference. And what's the Podesta website where people can find yeah, out? It's podesta.org. Uh, 
yeah. Excellent. Okay. And, and so Lynn, let's talk about the national level then. Uh, I, you got a good pitch for the, for your conference already, but uh, yeah, t- tell us uh, about what, you know, why, why it's, it's valuable to be a part of the group. Awesome. Thanks. And, and Jeffrey, you're right. The conference is amazing. And um, some of the things that I think are great sometimes around the state MEA conferences that ASTA actually kind of does on steroids at the national level. I mean, um, you don't just come for professional development, you come and you play with your colleagues. So there are reading sessions, there are conducting clinics, there are, there's an, uh, a director's orchestra, um, as well as a fantastic performances, everything from, you know, uh, Jeffrey Kittle and Eclectic Strings, we're gonna have the US Air Force Strings this year. Um, so it's a really, uh, we try and look at uh, string education and performance sort of across a variety of genres, a variety of situations and levels, right? From our Suzuki colleagues working with the youngest all the way up through um, higher ed professionals who are teaching strings. So um, it is it is the string education community and it's a time to come out and geek out with your colleagues, play music, make music with them and, and connect. And then we try and, um, I won't say replicate that, but have additional offerings throughout the year. Uh, we've got an, an advocacy webinar coming up tonight. We've been trying to do monthly webinars, which is something new for ASTA. They did a fantastic virtual conference last spring, but now we're trying to continue that with online professional development, and then also pulling out some of the best stuff from the vaults, um, because there were some fantastic sessions at last year's conference. You may not have been able to attend them, so we're pulling those out and making those available for members as well online. Um, And then, uh, uh, again, as I said at the beginning, ASTA is a wonderful community, and we have an online community for members, and everything from recommendations of repertoire to suggestions on how to work on a specific area of pedagogy. And the members are great at responding and give and sharing their feedback. So it's a really giving community as well. It's one of the things um, I, I love the, the online uh, conversations that occur between members. And your website? Um, www.astastrings.org. Okay. A-S-T-A-Strings.org. Yep. Excellent. Okay. So let I, me- Can I add sure. real quickly something for both Lynn and me, one of the great advantages of Podesta and ASTA is it's a combination of, of the school, the K-12 teacher yep. and the private teacher. So yeah. the, the great thing about the national conference is you get both. So yep. for our K-12 teachers who also have their private studios, it, they're getting both elements of professional development. And for the string teachers, it's an organization that values what they do in the private studio as well. So I think that's a great crossover mm-hmm. between two worlds within the larger string education. And I would imagine that just fosters understanding as well of, of, of each other's world so that, that, that there isn't any tension as we sometimes see. Correct. Yeah, wonderful. Right, and so it becomes a supportive community, yep. Yes. Yeah, uh, that, that's, that's awesome. Um, let me change the topic real quick to one that was not on the list uh, for, for, for just because it's breaking news. And so I think we just need to put it in there. So Jeff has been elected to a school board seat. Uh, and that's, we love uh, music educators who step up to the plate uh, and, and do that. So I'm just curious, um, you know, I'm putting you on the spot here for your take on taking on this role as a school board member in a time that is politically contentious, but is really politically contentious at the school board level, which generally was not the case two, three, 10 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> it, uh, <clears throat> I had to, I've been thinking about this for a number of years. Um, I have a, a 10-year-old who's in fifth grade, a 
an eight-year-old who's in second grade and a uh, almost five-year-old who will be going into kindergarten next year. And so my wife and I discussed this for a while and I thought, you know, if there's a time when I'm going to do this, now's the time so that I'm thoroughly invested in my own kids, but also the, the kids in the community. Because I, I know a lot of their friends and my son next year will be in middle school. So, um, you know, so there's that element as, just as a dad <clears throat> wanting to, to be part of the community and, and help. The other part of it is um, as a string educator, as a, as a college professor, a department chair, um, I have a great relationship with the music faculty in, in the school district. And um, I know we, we, many of us talk about, you know, whether it's in politics or advocacy in general, we wish there were more people who had an arts background making some of these decisions. And so I constantly remind myself, look, if you're not gonna step up and do this, you really shouldn't be complaining about it. <clears throat> so I thought, okay, you know what? Let me be the advocate for our local arts education uh, faculty. Um, whether it's music education, arts education, uh, theater, dance, whatever, um, I want to be that voice for them. I mean, we have a very good school district. Um, we have some changes coming on the horizon with, with some reshuffling and, and potentially moving some, some teachers or through retirement or whatever else. Um, so I thought, you know, this is a great time for me to have some of those conversations. Um, but also, you know, as an educator, as a, as a professor, uh, I think it gives me another perspective that I can share with my, my future teachers um, and, and with my alumni. Because I, you know, to, I think, Lynn, you were talking about young teachers, right, who are going into the profession now. I have, I've spoken more to my 2021 graduates than I have any other class in the, in the mm -hmm. six months since graduation. And it's not that they can't handle the job. It's just there's so much stuff that they're dealing with that's not in an, a music education curriculum. You know, yeah. where do I buy masks? Uh, how do I measure distance? How do, you know, am I allowed to do arches? Am I, do I have to be straight lines? How do I communicate with parents? You know, and it's not that those, I mean, we've always had to communicate with parents, but the COVID restrictions and everything else add a whole other layer to it. And so to be on the other side of it, of the board, um, you know, I've read the NA, NA, uh, NA, NFHS or, mm -hmm. you know, <clears throat> all that research. And, and I, you know, I, I constantly talking to the administration here, but I thought, you know, if I'm on the board, I can be the one interpreting that and then being the expert, hopefully, who says, well, okay, this is how you apply this to band. This is how you apply this to choir. This is how you apply this for concerts. This is, you know, and, and let's be creative. You know, okay, so we can't have an indoor concert maybe. Let's figure out another way to have a concert. If it's mm -hmm. outdoors or small groups or whatever, you know, chamber music isn't a bad thing either. So maybe there should be an increase in chamber music um, while still maintaining the large ensemble. You know, so I, I'm trying to look at it from multiple perspectives. Um, dad, educator, community member so yeah well congratulations uh and awesome. uh that's i think it's fantastic and i guarantee that i will be calling upon you uh because i want i want to know about this experience as you go through it and and i think we want to have some conversations down the road as you are now going to be on the receiving end of the advocacy work that we ask music educators to do and so i'm going to be really curious 
for maybe what your advice is since we have a, now we have an inside track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is big. <laughs> we appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, Dr. Jeffrey Tedford from Grove City College and Podesta, Lynn Tuttle from ASTA, thank you both for joining us today to talk uh, about the importance of strings education as, as we emerge from the pandemic. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And thank you all for joining us on PMEA's Take Note podcast presented by the Slippery Rock University Music Department. We will see you next time.